Are my hair cute? I feel like it's in there. Are my hair cute? Are my hair? Um, <laughs> yes, mean, your one hair is cute. All these people with their two uh, languages. Oh, my hair. Is that it's it? Fucking no, I was like, it's my. Whatever. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, what's the problem, guys? <laughs> is that the problem? Is it? Is it? Hair? Is the question is or are? What it was is, the sentence? Is my hair cute or whatever you said? Oh, uh, are my hair good? Oh, uh, is my yeah. hair no. good? Oh my god. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Learn English with Coach <laughs> Tim. <laughs> What's up everyone? Welcome back to the North East Jits podcast. Uh, once more around the fire pit in, uh, in Meanwood. Uh, today we've got a silent guest in Veronica Shooter, <laughs> uh, Coach Veronica. We've got Zoe. Zoe, I don't know your surname. My my last name? Yeah. Casey. Zoe Casey and Jeremy Pare. Let's go. Wow, good job. Thank you, thank you. I've been practicing all week. Uh, so you, uh, a lot of the new members won't know Jeremy, but he spent a couple of weeks with us um, a year and a half, almost two years ago. and a good friend of the academy and uh, you taught a class today and um, it's always nice to have you here man so thanks for coming on man I always love coming down to GBR I think like for sure one of my favorite schools to go to across the world um, yeah it's always a pleasure so thanks guys for today so uh, we've got some Instagram questions we can get to eventually but last time you were on you were touring around with Kendall for her seminar tour and working in California um, what, what's been happening since then? Yeah, so about in February, I decided we, uh, I went back home to my home school, uh, Gracie Baja, Ottawa, uh, with my professor. In the last 10 months, I've been kind of running, helping my professor run that school, train out there. Um, and yeah, so what kind of led me to this trip was getting ready for British Open this Saturday. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to, just teaching, training. Same old. Yeah, it's been fun. I think... With Kendall, it was one of the the best learning experiences I've ever had. You know, I spent maybe a year and a half in total in California. And I've learned so much over there, not just like on the mats, but really outside the mats. You know, everything in terms of being an athlete and being a professional in jiu-jitsu. And yeah, I'm super grateful for that experience. And yeah, that was that was amazing. Well, you got uh, you got promoted to brown belt in that time as well. Uh, what was that like for you? Because you competed the first day you got your brown belt, right? And then won a brown belt tournament. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't fair. <laughs> yeah, we we started talking about the brown belt. A big reason we wanted to go to the brown belt was uh, was leg locks. You know, mm. at the time of the purple belt, most till now, you, you couldn't do any heel hooks or anything like that. And I had been working a lot in California on adding that to my game. Um, so that was a big reason why we moved up. So <laughs> I got promoted to brown belt at 10 a.m. Uh, from Professor Kendall, Professor Saul, and Professor Kendall's dad, Professor Tom. And after that, 4 p.m., I headed out to SGIF Worlds and won my brown belt division over there. Um, so yeah, it was, really, it was really fun. It's not fair, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... You've been teaching a lot in, in Ottawa. What's it like being back at your uh, home school? Because is this the one you also kind of grew up in? Yeah, so my professor gave me my white belt when I was six years old. Um, and then about five years ago, we split from our original school to become Gracie Baja. And then since Gracie Baja, uh, 
I really was a big part of that team until the pandemic hit. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, Canada was really, really bad in terms of lockdowns. Like we couldn't do anything. Mm. So that's, that was my main motivation to head out to the States and start training. Uh, I first went down to, uh, Gracie Baja West Chase with Professor Upiano, Professor Pedro and that team over there. And they really taught me how to be a champion, you know, being, being with Pedro, arguably one of the best champions in Greece ball, at least right now, um, really helped me understand what it took to be a champion. Mm. And then after that, I had some car problems and then end up heading out to see Professor Kendall. And there I really learned kind of like the off the mat stuff. Um, you know, really helped with the program directing over there. And then last time it was there, I helped her run one of her schools, the Greasy Baja Corona. And that was really, really awesome. And now that I'm back home with my professors, uh, it's been really awesome to kind of see uh, the whole team grow so much, especially in the time that I was gone. Uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been really fun to be back with, with the team back at home. So yeah, it's been cool. Awesome, man. Let's get to one of our Instagram questions and we can just keep mixing them in. Uh, we'll start with a fun one from, I'll say the Instagram, uh, just because you might know, it's uh, Samu, Samu Real, Samu Real Lex. I don't know if you know that person yeah. from home. Uh, <laughs> how does his hair stay so nice even while sparring? <laughs> <laughs> what are the hair tips for Jits? Uh Still top. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, um, yeah, my hair game definitely has to be on point, obviously, right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we almost died. Um, <laughs> yeah, my hair game is, like, definitely an important thing. I know right now I'm wearing a hat, so we're not going to talk about that. But, yeah, just put a lot of gel and you should be fine and don't suck. Will there be yeah. an instructional series about, um, like, systematically <laughs> gelling the hair? <laughs> <laughs> going Eight further parts. faster at yeah. the barbershop <laughs> yeah. uh, potentially one day I'll, I'll give a I'll post a little video sometime on, on tutorial how to do, do your hair for jiu-jitsu mm. yeah. uh, let's switch Zoe yes <laughs> how to do my hair yeah, how, do you, how do you do how do you do Jeremy's hair <laughs> well, let's be serious I don't do Jeremy's hair <laughs> no one Jeremy's I don't hair. deal with that it takes 30 minutes for me to get ready 5 minutes to shower 25 minutes to do the hair <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zoe's a, a purple belt um, trained to get today. It's really good. And then, what's your story? How did you start into jiu-jitsu? Um, so I started, I was seven years old. Um, my dad just started to do traditional jiu-jitsu, uh, which is like more of a, a self-defense version of jiu-jitsu, if I can say it this way. And uh, honestly, I was just so curious about it. So I just decided to start, <laughs> honestly. It was, I didn't even thought about it. I just started uh, with my sister. Um, and honestly, I, I was not even asking myself any questions. I was just showing up on the mats every week. And um, uh, I was doing a little bit of BJJ uh, during that time as well. And at one point, uh, when I was around 16 years old, I just decided to uh, shift to, uh, to BJJ completely. So, yeah, that's pretty Amazing. much how I... And no. does your sister still train? No, <laughs> she stopped uh, maybe like a year or two after. Okay. Uh, she she just started to do some dance. Uh, oh, so now you can beat her up if if you have a fight. You <laughs> yeah, <know. laughs> I'm showing her some some nice jokes. Right. <laughs> when she's annoyed you, let me yeah, show you this nice joke. Exactly. <laughs> hey, can I try something? Come over here. Jeremy, you got siblings as well, right? 
Yeah, I got a younger brother who's a giant, <laughs> and I have an older sister as well. Do um, they train? Yeah, we actually all started together. Um, what kind of got us started was this after-school program, and just because we all went to the same school, we started together. Mm. And then my brother stayed with it until he started playing soccer, or I guess football. For mm-hmm. Yep, I'm glad and, you uh, got the right one. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and then after that, kind of quit. And then my sister, she dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, so that's kind of what made her stop. But, yeah, I just kind of kept going. Always loved it. But I'm trying to get them back in. I actually just did a private a few weeks ago with my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great to just beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Nice. I'm got me. I'm always a big fan of sibling on sibling violence. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things is the, uh, especially in the juniors and teens class, we have like a lot of siblings. So it's always nice to bring them out as that sole oh, yeah. pair rolling and have them fight each other. <laughs> like, Win your parents' love. Let's go. <laughs> and you don't, you never roll as hard as when you roll with your sibling. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You look at um, Cade and Tyru Atolo when they roll, and it's like it just turns into a scrap. Like, yeah. You know. Kid and Ty, Paul as well. Like, it's weird. A lot of like those siblings that train together and stay together often end up being very, very good. You know, yeah. you can think like the Finnegar girls and AOJ, like so many of them. Yeah, Victor Braulio. Like, uh, yeah. there's there's loads. Janji uh, and Saulo. Like, uh, uh, on that kind of so another one from Ashley Riches. Yeah. Having started young, advice for parents to encourage their children to stay in BJJ long-term? Main thing, I would say, don't push kids to competition. You know, like, some kids just want to train and have fun training. And a lot of the times, you know, most of the time, it's the parents that quit. It's not the kid that Mm, quit. Yeah. And a big thing with that is to really make sure that if the kid does not want to compete, don't force him. You know, for a few reasons. Like, one, the chances of them actually performing when they don't want to be there is very, very low. The big thing is they just want to have fun, and that's what makes them quit. You know, mm. the best way to keep your kid into <coughs> jiu-jitsu is make sure that, you know, after X many years, they, they still have fun. For me, what kept me in it that long was really, like, I found myself loving teaching, and I started teaching young. And I really loved that part, and I also loved the kind of fighting aspect of it so and my my professors did a really good job making sure that i could always do both compete and teach and i think that's really really helped me but for the parents the main thing i would say is just make sure they're having fun and it's okay if they don't want to do it sometimes it's better for them to take a night off or to chill than to push them to go and have them end up quitting Mm. What do you think if it's a kid that is like constantly like, I don't want to go to jiu-jitsu tonight, and it's always a fight for them to try to bring... It depends, bring... depends on the reasoning, you know. If the kid is just being like lazy, then okay, sometimes you do have to push a little bit harder. Mm. If it happens every single night, it probably means that the kid just doesn't want to go. Mm. You know? That's okay, you know, not everyone wants to, but um, but yeah, the big thing is just first talk to the child and ask them like okay well what what's your favorite part about jiu-jitsu like why do you actually like going to jiu-jitsu a lot of the people that don't know why they go is that's usually why they end up leaving 
Mm. You know, yeah. you keep remembering why you love going to jiu-jitsu in your first class, and usually you'll you'll be able to stick with it. You know, the big thing is that just enjoy the process. Don't rush anything. I think I talk to the parents now that are struggling with kids that are unmotivated, um, or at least. You know, kids go through a lot of phases, I think, of like when they really love jits and then they'll hate it for a while, then they love it again, and it's just like normal kind of kid stuff. Yeah. I think it's it's tough for the parents to stick out the times when it's low and you're paying, I don't know, sixty pounds a month or something for your kid to not do jujitsu or yeah. like to have a fight with them every time you got to bring them down. I think it's setting your kid the the expectations for the kid early of like um, this is something you are going to do for at least you know we're going to commit to doing this for a year at a year we can reassess but within that time uh, it's not a non-negotiable non-negotiable we're going down like yeah we're going to miss a class every now and again because it's your friend's birthday party or something like that but just like we don't have a tantrum every time we go to brush your teeth or every time we go to school if it was me you probably would but <laughs> uh you know, there's some things that parents aren't going to budge on, um, but if it's something that they feel is like an optional. But for me, jiu-jitsu isn't... Uh, for, I wouldn't even say jiu-jitsu, I'd just say you got to do a martial art. Like, you wouldn't be like, I'm successful as a parent if your kid can't ride a bike or they can't uh, swim or they can't uh, do like, some basic activities like that are just good for human survival kind of thing, right? <laughs> And it's the same thing with jiu-jitsu. Like, I think everyone should have at least some ability to defend themselves, at least have the ability to be confident in confrontation. Whether that whether they ever get into a confrontation or not is a different matter, but at least have the confidence to, if something were to happen, I feel mm. confident enough to look after myself a little bit. comes down also to, like, just discipline, you know? It's like... Yeah. Uh, for me, like, one a video that, like, when I'm feeling lazy that I always love, like, going back to is, like, there's a video um, Kobe Bryant talks about before the season starts, how he signs a contract with himself where like he'll set different expectations. So for example, if you told yourself I would train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Monday comes around, you don't feel like it. Well, you already signed the contract with yourself. And if you don't go, well, it means you're not disciplined. Yeah, and, uh, and discipline isn't, doing the things just when you're motivated and you want to do it it's it's like just because you do something hard doesn't mean you're disciplined in doing it like yeah. there's it's the times when you don't want to go and you um and oh the in this case you know the kid doesn't want to go and they're kicking off into the tantrum if you're the same parent that is saying i want my kid to grow up to be a a disciplined person who can stick to difficult things and not quit uh when things get tough then equally you have to be a disciplined parent and uh uh, show that be like look we're, no, we're not going to budge on this so we're going to go um, and worst case I usually say to the parents as well like if little Timmy really doesn't want to come to jiu-jitsu that's fine uh, but on, on a particular day but make sure you bring them to the academy and get them to tell me that they don't want to come and train today and I'll say okay cool little Timmy that's fine uh, you know, I really like it. if you did come onto the mats that'd be great but no one's forcing you to be here kind of thing. Mm. And usually by then, by the time they get into the academy, they're like, fine, I'll do jits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you ever uh, struggle with motivation as a kid? For me, I, you know, I took a little break, maybe like a month or two when I was playing football. Uh, but to be honest, it, 
every time I like came to like <laughs> pretty much every day I was trained. Uh, I was really lucky where I did a program with my school that allowed me to like, kind of leave school early where I could train. So for me, like I have been training so long and like full time that like I almost don't remember not training. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the biggest time I took off was during the pandemic. You know. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that's really important is when you first sign on, make sure that you have a conversa- conversation with with a child and make sure that they tell you that they want to do it. Because yeah. if they first say that they want to do it, then you can always bring that back whenever they don't want to. Mm. It's like, well, man, like, mm. you may be complaining today, but last week you're the one that told me to sign up. You yeah, made this yeah. commitment. You know. So, Zoe, did you have a struggle with... Um, yes, I did. And I, I would say like it was mostly because of injuries. I had I started to have injuries like really young mm-hmm. and um, it was quite demotivating. Um, but at the same time, one thing my parents did, and I think that that could work for other kids was um, I was never forced to do jujitsu or any martial arts, but I was forced to do something like a sport. So for us, it was like three times a week minimum. And um uh, you could choose. So for my sister, let's say she really didn't like jujitsu at all. And I, I feel like forcing her to do jujitsu wouldn't be fair because she, she hated it. Yeah. Um, but she was forced to do something else. So she chose dance. Um, same thing for me. I started with dance, um, actually, but I hated it. And I decided to stick with jujitsu. So I didn't have the pressure to um, going to jujitsu, but I had to find something else. And for me, Jiu-Jitsu was always the, the most fun one. So that's just how I uh, I keep going. And I think like having friends who do it there as well helps a lot. Like having, um, uh, being surrounded by people who are supporting you, even when you're young, you don't need to be like a professional athlete to have like a good support system. Yeah. Um, but just like having friends uh, and just making it fun, like helps you stay in the sports. I found because sometimes it's not that much jujitsu that you you're looking forward to, but you're looking forward to like the friends there. So sometimes yeah. it helps for the environment. Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. And the opposite is true as well. Like mm-hmm. if a kid doesn't want to come to a class, it could be not because they don't like jujitsu, but for example, you know they're a bit shy about sparring in front of everyone else, or mm-hmm. um, they don't feel confident yet. So they may actually enjoyed the jujitsu part but there's like everything else that's Mm -hmm. going on that's a bit intimidating and that may be Mm -hmm. you know kind of the the roadblock that you need to work on on removing as a parent and as a as a coach now if if everything just went quiet for a while there it's because veronica doesn't have a mic and (laughs) went on a monologue (laughs) so sorry if the audio is a bit strange on that i was making you yeah. know i was doing there's, my there's best a microphone to speak to on zoe's shoulder zoe's so yes, it looks weird <laughs> <laughs> it is <laughs> well you can repeat what i said no you did you said it great veronica i would never repeat the excellent response all right this is from jeff garby's i'm not sure do you know jeff garby's i don't think i do uh but he's he said, I'm not sure if it makes sense for you, but it's, what's the toughest part of keeping a great balance in your life? And then he's put young family, comma, training, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Now, I know you don't have a young family, but... <laughs> I, got, you, I got two dogs, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, there's something you need to tell us, Jeremy. <laughs> 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 nope. <laughs> I think 
that's usually will be the hardest part you know making sure that your business side the personal side and like the athlete side always stays in good balance i think the big thing is setting your priorities you know like for me when i first arrived to ottawa for example my priority was really on building the team you know so my focus was really more on teaching so i kind of took a little break from training really to focus on the team yeah and when i was ready to leave here and to start training for my camp here well i had to change my priorities because now the priorities were not so much the team but it was me you know and a lot of the times that's the most hard part if you're a coach you want to be very selfless yeah whereas if you're an athlete unfortunately you have to be very selfish and whenever you can find that really good balance it, it, that's usually when things click um the big thing for me was really setting time for everything you know like for example like right now like i have like my mornings where i'm training my noons where i'm teaching you know my like nights where i'm either training or teaching depending on the day um and then every day after like a certain time then i'm really focusing on my personal side you know when i'm not at the gym i try to really focus on me and my mm. family um so yeah i think that's the big thing with keeping a good balance is just making sure that your priorities are right and that your say your goal is right that way you can make sure to balance your life uh the right way um but that's the hardest part you know it never gets easier to be honest um you know like for example in california i felt like my the business side and the athlete side were like peaking you know, where I was teaching a lot and I was, you know, one thing I really loved where I was running the school and I was like in this leadership role. And then on the other hand, I'm training in one of the best places in the world. I am, uh, you know, training six, seven days a week. You know, I felt great. But then, you know, I was also like halfway across the continent from my family. You know, and that was a part that was really, really hard for me. Um, at first, I didn't, you know, when I first started leaving, I didn't hit me as much mm. uh but to be honest after like almost like three years of being away uh that's you that's when it really hit me when my you know sister ended up getting a baby um and that's when i had to change my priorities to make sure that i could keep that good balance um so yeah that's what i would say make sure you have good priorities make sure you set your goals and make sure you balance your life based on your goals and your priorities not based on your feelings yeah i think uh you just got to see jiu-jitsu. It, it's really addictive at the start for like a new person coming in. Yeah. And it becomes a bit like an arms race. Oh, yeah. And you can get sucked into this thing where you want to stay ahead of the people that started kind of around the time you did or, you know, just after you did. And you want to catch the people up that started a bit before you. Yeah. And um, that can get a little bit tough because you start thinking about other people's jiu-jitsu more than yours. Yeah. And you haven't just thought about, right, this is just something that I'm going to do now. Like I said earlier, for the kids, that it's like brushing their teeth. For um, for an adult, it's like <clears throat> it needs to be part of your life where you're gonna say, right, I want to do jujitsu uh, until you know for the rest of my life. Like even when I'm 90, if I make it to 90, I want to be able to at least contribute to jujitsu or be be able to sit on the mats and watch yeah. and understand and stuff like that. And uh, and that doesn't mean going you know a thousand miles an hour right 
you know, from, from the block, because I've seen a lot of attendance cards that are um, dot, 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 for a like month. 20, yeah. 20 straight dots. Yeah, and, and then, then second month, <laughs> and then third month, and then it's like dot, 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 and then gone, you know? Mm-hmm. it's uh, it, People never think the burnout's going to hit them, but I've seen enough cancelled attendance cards to know, like, mm-hmm. it, it does happen. And just, you know, jiu-jitsu should always just be additive to your life. It shouldn't be where I think you're missing time with, uh, like, important family time for, like, so you can watch yeah. YouTube, you know, for jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Now, to be a good family person too, that might mean, like, you say, look, I'm sorry, we're not going to have dinner tonight. It's because this time is important to me. And yeah. for me to mm-hmm. be a good person for the rest of the week, I need this two hours to go and train. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's a tough to find that balance, but I think something one of my professor professor Glenn told me when I was around like sixteen was and I'll still remember it. I think jujitsu is a stress reliever at the end of the day. You know, you go to jujitsu to unwind. Mm. You know, at least in my opinion. Sure, you can want to get better and you want to win and all that, but at the end of the day, it's all about one, making yourself better. And it helps, to be honest, to not think about it. I think it's the only time that I'm really like 100% focused on one thing is when I'm doing jiu-jitsu and I'm just focused on training. I think what jiu-jitsu becomes your stressor instead of sh- stress reliever, that's really when you have to look at things and start changing things. You know, making sure that, okay, well, one, are you training too much? That's usually the case. Mm-hmm. Too, I think it's so important. Like for me, like one rule that I had when I was kind of like in school growing up, or well, my parents had this rule. I mean, um, was like one one day or one night a week we had to be eating dinner as a family. And it doesn't matter how hard you want to train. Doesn't matter what your goals are. It's like it could be Saturday, it could be Sunday. Doesn't matter what day of the week. But one day we have to sit down and eat, family, eat together. You know, and I think that that is really the most important thing. Make sure that it's a stress reliever. When it becomes a stressor, start looking at things and make sure you can balance everything out uh, to make everything fit correctly. Mm. It can be tough with uh, with injuries as well, right? And so you've gone through a few injuries by the sounds of it. Yeah. How did you How did you find balancing like your injury time off with wanting to train and stuff like that? Yeah, it's it's really hard. Um, and honestly, I I've learned it the the hard way. I would say because. Um, I, it happened in the past where I got an injury and I just kept training and training and training over, over it. And, um, it ends up in the, in surgery, you know? So I think, um, over time you learn to, uh, to listen to your body and, um, and make sure you're, you're feeling good to go train because otherwise it's, it's not good for the long term. It might be good for, for the month. You might be better than the other uh, students in the class because you keep going on the mats and, and everything but at one point it just it your body will stop you at one point so I think it's really important to keep uh, that balance and for me it was really important to stay involved in jiu-jitsu even though I had to take some time off so I recently yeah, I had to stop uh, training jiu-jitsu for like I think seven eight months um, so that's been really hard since I've been training my whole life um, but for me I was sometimes just showing up to the competition to see my teammates compete. Um, I was just sitting in Jeremy's class and trying to get some knowledge in. Um, so I think for me that that really helped to just stay connected to jiu-jitsu, stay connected to the environment. 
also um, to the people at the gym, right? Because you build some some connection and losing all that at once, it's really hard uh, on the mental. So I would say, uh, yeah, just try to find a way to stay in jiu-jitsu, even though it's not necessarily training. Yeah, yeah. I think <clears throat> there are definitely injuries where you need to take like time off away from training for yeah. to like, rest. But I think a lot of people, especially when you're new to jiu-jitsu, they'll get like a minor injury mm-hmm. and they're like, right, I have to take three months off now because the yeah. doctor says six to 12 off and then I can start training again. Mm-hmm. The doctor's always going to say like six to 12 off. But if you've got, let's say, um, you know, like last Christmas, actually, I, I broke my wrist mm-hmm. and uh, I just trained without using my wrist. So I just took mm-hmm. my hand in the belt and just do jiu-jitsu with a one hand. The wrist mm-hmm. is getting fine. Like, uh, and, you know, it wasn't hurting. Um, now not everyone has to do that, but like like you said, you can you can still go on the mats, yeah. and most most of the time your instructor um, will be very happy to try and work around your mm. injury, so you're not aggravating it, and um, or you can just sit mat side and uh, write some notes mm. or um, try and absorb the information, be around for the team. Yeah, and I, mean, then, I think when it comes to injuries, like one thing I you know I have to give uh, give credit to Kendall for this, you know looking at how she dealt with the back injury mm. uh, leading up to EDCC for me it was remarkable you know I remember actually last time we were here after um, after we went to the DC fresh camp like we could barely lift her up she could barely stand by herself you know and after West Coast trials like she had to stay in bed for almost like a month you know and then you looked at the performance that she had in ADCC and, and you know, I saw her through the camp. We really made sure of two things. Like one was to keep the habits. You know, if you really do a good job of building your habits, um, the best thing you can do is keep them. You know, yeah. like for example, she wasn't training, but she was always on the mat. You know, she would come to watch a session. She would just sometimes just sit at the gym and watch. Um, and that really showed me a lot about, I think, came down to a few things it came down to reminding yourself like it doesn't matter who you are in jiu-jitsu your goal should be the black belt you know it doesn't matter if you want to be a champion or whatever it is um the journey is the most important part you know if you're a white belt well remember like you want to get to the black belt so short-term gratification will not help you do that you're looking at long-term success and you risking re-injury is what's going to stop you from being able to do that mm. you know and that's really the important part is to look at you know the nice thing the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu is you can do it all your life if you're smart yeah. if you listen to your body and adding that one extra training session or pushing yourself or like past your limits for no reason or you know even if it's one tournament well that one tournament over 10 years means nothing you know, and that's really what you have to look at. It you have to look at the big picture in the long term, not not just the short term, especially in terms of injuries. You know, um, you want to keep improving while you're injured. Jiu-Jitsu's grown so much now. There's instructionals. There's so much footage that you can watch out there. That's, that's amazing. I, for me, in my opinion, I train more off the mats than on the mats. You know, mm-hmm. watching Jiu-Jitsu and like studying. Um, I think that's the big thing. Remember, it's not about the short term; it's about the long term. And also, like just making sure you're um, surrounded with really good training partners for me was a really huge thing. Um, 
just usually <laughs> training with uh, higher belts uh, is really good when you you're you just got a sur uh, sorry a surgery yes but also <laughs> an injury <laughs> it's like part of my life at the moment but uh, when you get an injury because um, usually they're more of w aware of what they're doing also make sure they, um, they understand the level uh, you're capable to to train at so um, um, sometimes just flow rolling with some people and so I, I used to train with uh, people that I had like amazing battles with so they were amazing to get ready for competitions um, but to come back for from an injury it might not be the best partner ever yeah <laughs> so you you gotta know um your your training partners and also just keep in mind that there's so many different levels of of training like jeremy said like you can train mentally um you can just uh, do some techniques in the class um some specific sparring and then you you keep building up on that uh, ladder yeah for sure there's like there's a whole gamut and uh mm -hmm. you know a back injury like kendall's there's probably like one of the the worst to try and navigate like any when you got like a like you kind of use anything from like the hip like up to your to your neck it's like uh pretty hard to work around yeah. but any kind of like finger wrist elbow ankle knee uh they're pretty easier to work around i think mm -hmm. um so yeah i think um it's tough you'll you'll get as you do more you get to know your own body and 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 what what's sensible and, and what's not so sensible to, to train with. Jeremy, you mentioned um, that the black belt should be a goal. Uh, obviously the black belt is just like a, a symbol. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you mean, like what what do we mean when we say like black belt's the goal? For the black belt, I mean like training your whole life, mm. you know, or not training your whole life, but train for as long as you can, mm. you know. For example, like when I was a blue belt, I had, you know, I was training all the time so much that like at a certain point it stopped being fun, you know, and I had to take like a month off just to make sure that I didn't burn out to make sure that I could keep going for so many more years, you know, and a big thing of what I meant by that is like, for example, if you had the blue belt and you destroy your knee, well, the journey's not over. You have time to fix your knee and make sure your knee is 100% and keep training. You know, that's that's really the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu is, you know, I think the black belt is really when, or at least from what I, from what I hear, I don't know yet, but, uh, you know, that's really when the journey starts. And it's important to look at it that way. Because when you look at your day-to-day, like -day, then that's when it's really easy to burn out and over-push yourself. When you look at it as this really long journey, then it's much easier to do that. You know, it's really on making sure that you're not focusing on like competing with a person next to you, but competing with yourself. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's kind of what I meant by that. Yeah. I think it's, uh, like I'm not particularly like goal driven and, and like, I'm not like, oh, I want to get the black belt for the symbol of it or, or anything like that. I, I'm more, I like, I like knowing if I'm on the right path. And then the goals kind of hit themselves. If you feel like you're, if you're walking on the right path, then I feel like you'll hit those milestones anyway. But I don't think, oh, the next milestone is this thing. I'm going to shoot for that. I want to be like, make sure I'm not hitting like the left and right. Okay, like if I know um, I'm training consistently and I'm doing my 
best to like we have these accountability sheets kind of thing that you sort of on the wall and you know if uh, there's too many x's or stuff like i'm not doing that i'm like not on the path right it's like i'm not trying to i'm going too far left or i'm going too far right on the thing that i aspire to be which is you know somewhere down there and if i hit that black belt goal on the path then then that's that's cool but it's not like i'm going to be black belt and that's the thing that drives me forward i'm not sure if that makes a lot of sense but in, in my head it's um it's the way I look at it. Um, I like, I like the whole thing around, you know, you should think about training till the rest of your life. What do you think the main reason like adults quit jujitsu is? So many, <laughs> you know, fear of embarrassment, injury, you know, lack of gratification, lack of praise. You mm. know. Um, a lot of time is just life gets in the way, you know. I think. The main reason people quit is lack of recognition. You know, is uh, most times you know a good instructor. You know, I think that's, for example, looking at GBRL for me, like one thing that makes a school amazing is retention and being able to keep those members. You know, and I look at it and I'm like I remember when we came with uh, Professor Kendall, and then last night with uh, Professor Hodger. We had one way more people, but we also had the same people, mm. you know, and I think that's a big part of it as well. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you don't want, there's, I think there's loads that go into it, you know. Uh, safety is like another big one that we talk about way more, and I think about way more now as a coach than I did, you know, a few years ago when I started coaching. And I feel like in, in general in jiu-jitsu, especially like this year with the ICPs talks a lot about uh, safety, not just being safe technically on the mat, but everything from hygiene to harassment to all that gets covered in detail. And then you've also got uh, just, you know, like we were talking about earlier for the kids as well, it, keep it fun because people, I said this at the end of a class message uh, maybe a week or so ago, like, let me worry about making you good. Like, you just come and have fun. Like, yeah. I'll do the rest. Like, like I'm... I stay up having no social life watching Danaher so you guys can go and just enjoy training. Like, let me figure out how to get you to be good. You guys just come and have fun. Like, yeah. I'll do the rest. Um, yeah, I think I think more now about the... Some, I've got a friend, Rob, who I'm trying to get down to do jiu-jitsu. Uh, and he's done one session, like, many years ago when I was still training at Harrogate. But uh, he's like, oh, no, jiu-jitsu is not for me. I'm not a fighter. And it's hard to get those people through the door on the opposite side of things. I think once people try it and find out what it is, it's like, jiu-jitsu is a really good, uh, I don't want to like bring it down, but like a commodity, like it's something we like sell, like it's a really good product, but it's it's hard to get sometimes those kind of people through the door. Yeah, I think it's like, you can see jiu-jitsu as a fight. Mm. You can also see it as a game. But I think you should see it as a lifestyle. You know, it's not, about beating somebody. It's just about, to be honest, it's about being honest with yourself and learning more about yourself. And, you know, I think like jujitsu teaches you a lot about who you are and it's more to listen to that. Um, yeah, I think jujitsu is awesome. So <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Hall and Lex Friedman's podcast described it as like, jujitsu is a philosophy that we express physically. Uh, and I quite like that. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, for those people that think like, you know, to be honest, for me, like, I don't see myself as a fighter, mm. you know. 
I see myself as like, yes, I'm very competitive. Um, but for me, like jujitsu is, it's it's a lot like chess. You know, it's about like creating traps. It's more of a game, in my opinion. You know, like yes, sure, it's a martial art, and you know, one of the best martial arts for self defense. But at the end of the day, to keep it fun and to make sure that you don't have that kind of mentality of like fighting your partner, because at the end of the day, your partner is not your competitor. Your your partner is you know the ones that will help you reach your goals and get to that next level. Yeah, um, it's really important to look at it that way, in my opinion. But so, what do you think? Uh, I think one of the biggest things in jiu-jitsu now, on on that philosophy side of things, is how jiu-jitsu is becoming more like a sport, like football mm. or um, rugby or any other kind of like normal sport. Mm. But then, in like like you were doing the traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu. In martial arts, where there's like traditional values that, mm-hmm. like the uh, um, stuff that doesn't happen in sports, like you don't bow onto a mat or you don't do like you don't bow to like a picture of someone when you go do your football game. Like, <laughs> oh, there's Cristiano Ronaldo. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and there can be like a blurred line between like, oh, this is a really strange thing to do in the modern world, and but we're doing like this modern martial art, but it's got these traditional kind of things and. And some people really don't like the traditional stuff, and and some people I find uh, quite enjoy that discipline side of mm-hmm. things. How did you find it going from something that's a bit more traditional to a bit more sporty? Um, that's a good question. Um, I I might be biased because I I grew up with the the tradition, so for me mm. it's really important, and I I keep some of them. Like I will always turn around to tie my belt. I don't want to let the professor see me. Uh, with an untied belt, um, things like that. But I, I do understand how some things are not necessarily uh, necessary for training, like for, for example, the belt. Um, but I do like to have a certain discipline because I think that's what, that's what uh, is linking all the, the martial arts together. Um, and that's what ma- it makes it different from another sport, like football, for example, or soccer. I don't know <laughs> which one you use here. I mean, I think this, the discipline is what um, changes people outside of the mats, if I can say it this way. Um, so I have a lot of respect for, uh, for the mats, for the people I'm training with, for the professors. And I think that's that's something big about martial arts. So for me, it's important to keep those those tradition and um, simple movements like bowing before jumping on the mats, uh, fist bump with your partners, things like that are um, are what keeps it in the sport. I would say. Mm. Yeah. yeah, just remembering the roots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. I think. Mm-hmm. I think some of the the traditional stuff is is it's like a a double-edged sword because it's the same things that make GB great mm-hmm. that I think like like the uniform stuff or that that kind of traditional stuff that sets it makes it a bit different from just a random sporty jiu-jitsu club mm-hmm. that we also get bashed on for a bit mm-hmm. you know like people say oh it's a cult because you know we all wear the same uniform or we have like um, we're all bowing on to the mats yeah. and stuff like that, but at the same time, I think it's it's that stuff that gives us a really strong sense of you know brotherhood and sisterhood, and like we're part of something bigger rather than just uh, 
you're just showing up and looking after yourself kind of thing and trying to beat my random teammates. So like, uh, we're all part of a big community and we're all trying to get better together. Yeah, and I think like jujitsu is so much bigger than just the movements we're doing on the mats. Like it's not just about um, the positions and the points and all the submissions, but it's also like the way you're thinking, like uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, it's like a philosophy that you uh, express with your body. So I I found for myself, like the philosophy is in the, the tradition. Mm. And um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard for, um, that's something that this podcast actually does quite a bit is, you know, it's hard, especially in, in kids' classes, we can talk about values really easily. Mm -hmm. The word of the week yeah. is integrity, uh, which it is this week, you know, do the right thing even when no one's watching. Yeah. To bring that up in an adult class for me feels a bit more weird. Like I'm trying to preach to people who are, you know, already well-established people yeah. in like, the world, you know, <laughs> like, what does this yeah. fucking guy know? Yeah. Um, but I think through having these kind of conversations on the podcast, we can talk a bit uh, more to people who have um, the mind to listen to it or are happy to listen to it mm -hmm. um, about the... Um, more traditional side of things the value side mm -hmm. of things now like like jeremy said that one of the things is legacy and for a while like i was like um i'm not too fussed about the legacy especially if you read like some of the drysdale's books uh, around like what the gracies were actually doing and what mm -hmm. actually make kind of how it came about but then i also went to listen to uh victor umbraulio did a talk about like how they uh how they were getting on in making jiu-jitsu quite popular here in the UK. And uh, they kind of got, you know, they got screwed over a few times. They had to like battle it out. You know, there was plenty of offers for them to go teach in California and big schools uh, and make a lot of money and not live in rainy, uh, cloudy England. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they stuck it out. And then I was like, well, if they hadn't gone through that adversity and, and done all those kind of things, I wouldn't get to do a job that I love now mm -hmm. and all of the mm -hmm. 500 plus students at UBRL wouldn't have a place to train. Mm -hmm. And um, so you know what, if you if if paying a bit of homage to the people who stuck at, stuck, at, stuck it out and uh, made jiu-jitsu something when it was nothing is like a little bow when I go onto the mat, like mm -hmm. that's a good enough deal for me because yeah. I get to make um, a good living doing something I love. And, mm -hmm. And if the bow is a price for that, then I'm happy to pay it. You know? yeah. It's so important for people to like, a lot of the people that say like GB is like cult and whatever, a lot of times don't understand why we have certain things. You know, like very similar, like for example, the uniform. Mm. You know, a lot of people like complain about the uniform. Go to a soccer or sorry, football yeah. game and point me one player on the same team that's not wearing the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I say this a lot too. It's 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 a common thing to make sure that everyone looks like one, mm -hmm. you know. And obviously, there's so many more reasons why the uniform is important. You know, for me, that that's all I need to to, to understand why we're in a uniform. And to be honest, like I've gone to schools where the uniform is not enforced, mm. and every time, like I, I just don't like you know, especially in nogi. I think nogi like having that uniform is just as important as the gi, if not more important. You know, like, you go to a school that doesn't have, like, for example, the ranked rash guards. You know, you could train <laughs> with anybody. You have no idea how long they've been training yeah. or who, you know, what belt they are wearing. The uniform helps with that. I think it's important to always remember where you come from and how you just came this way. And 
you know, a bow is just a simple sign of respect, you know. And if you have a problem with that, probably you have to dig deeper. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's interesting because a lot of schools will actually like advertise themselves with like the opposite of that. Like, we won't make you wear our uniform. We're not just like money grabbing or we're going to teach you leg locks on day one, you know, whereas other schools will force you to do a curriculum or like, mm. uh, it's funny how the things that I feel make us really good are the things that, are the opposite things people try and make as uh, something that makes them good, which is an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's a system, you know, everyone has their own way of doing things, you know, obviously I'm a little bit biased and I think, you know, Greasy Baja mm-hmm. is one of, if not the best for those reasons, you know, and there's a reason we have the amount of schools that we have, you know, and all those little things, they matter, you know, and Every time I go back to a place that does not enforce the rules, you start to realize why everything is the way it is. Mm. You know, why everything to the smallest little detail is important. You know, from attendance cards to bowing to Master Carlos. You know, and I think sometimes it takes that to, to understand everything. Um, and to be honest, it's like, if you don't want to do that, that's okay. But... We do it, and that's why we are who we are. Yeah, yeah I think like all the etiquette stuff I was talking about this one time is like it comes down to like three things: it's respect for your training partners and respect for yourself. Uh, safety, to you know, if it's a, a hygiene thing, like we don't want to be getting like skin infections and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just comes down to um, you know not being no individual being bigger than the team. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of the schools out there that say, like, yeah, we're a really good team, but it's really just a bunch of individuals that train together. And, you know, one individual will will get, like, way more support than the rest of the team. Um, and I think something we do really well here at GB is, like, if, you know, no individual, or at least at GBRL, I can say, is, like, no individual is bigger than the team. There's no, like, one person that's going to, that gets a preferential treatment for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's always the team comes first, and and sometimes uh, sometimes that isn't good in terms of like for stuff for our business, but like it's still uh, it still is like the right thing to do, and and that's that comes down to like that integrity thing. It's, it's doing the right thing, not the easy thing. Um, yeah, I think that's so important. Like making it about more than just yourself. It's about everything else about yeah. the team you know and like I've gone to places where yeah I think like especially instructors do this where like because they own the school or because they're the black belt on the mat they kind of put themselves on like this pedestal of like I'm better than everyone or mm-hmm. like you guys should listen to me and you guys should do this it's like yes you're a black belt but it doesn't make you like like a god yeah <laughs> you know and it's really about when you step on the mat, kind of like, you know, something Professor Mike said yesterday, you know, he was like, this is a thank you from me to you. And it's really, really important that we remember that. It's, you know, no one could get where we are without the person next to them. You know, it's about the team. It's not about yourself. Jiu-Jitsu is the one thing that you will never get better if you're alone. 
Yeah. And that's that's important to remember. I think that like takes you back to it feels very primal sometimes that like the strong connections you can make in jiu-jitsu it's not quite like anything like for a while now now i've mainly got my friends from jiu-jitsu but you know a while back i'd have my friends from you know school i have my friends from thai boxing i have my group of friends from the marines i have my jiu-jitsu friends and the the relationship you have is, is very different with all of them but i think the relationships you make in jiu-jitsu are, are particularly uh, strong and have a like a, a uniqueness and, and specialness to them. I think choking each other helps. Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> like you're just around each other and so close to each other all the time, and you're on the kind of the same path of like wanting to get better at the same thing. Uh, there's like ups and downs. You go through like the same bit of struggles and adversity, and you just get to kind of build that that camaraderie with each other, which is really nice. Mm. What did you think of the Hodges seminar yesterday? You enjoyed it? Mind blown. It was mm. awesome. It's like a few uh, two weeks ago, we had Professor Caron come down to and teach. Like it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. It was like the opposite. He taught like a lot of like side control escape and mount escapes. Mm. But like Professor Hodger taught a lot of like the the top side control and the mount stuff. And I think like every single time I learn from any one of the Gracies almost feels like I know nothing about you. <laughs> you know, and it's, it, it always impresses me how, um, how, how great jiu-jitsu can be. And like, especially yesterday, like learning from the GOAT, arguably, at least in the gi. Um, yeah, it, it was fantastic. And what I really loved was how technically he showed two techniques. You know, sure, he added a bunch of details which made it more than that, but he showed something that for a brand new white belt could help their game. But also for like me, for example, who's been training like 16 years, competes a lot. Well, I still got a lot of that seminars with the same technique. And there was nothing like, you know, it, it's not like we were doing crazy barren balls or anything like that. It was fundamentals. But what made it great for everybody were the details. You know, yeah. And I think that's really what I noticed, especially learning from Karen, learning from um, Andre yesterday was, was that, was the details is what matter. And, uh, and yeah, it was, really, it was really awesome yesterday. It's tough as a coach sometimes to give that, but he did a really good job, I thought. I remember the first class I ever taught, like properly at GBRL, was a week 13 class A. And it's the one where you do the self-defense triangle, the hip bump sweep, and the Kimura, which are like big techniques, right? Mm -hmm. And I was nervous to do it. Mike was going to be there watching me. It's like mm -hmm. a blue belt. And uh, so I decided to watch all of Danaher's Kimura series, all of his clothes guard series, and all of the end <laughs> uh, of the system triangle, right? So I'm here watching like 20, 25 hours of instructional content to teach one <laughs> hour class. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, obviously, I'm trying to give all these hundreds of details. And, you know, this is when the academy just opened. So it was just white belts, like, with a few stripes, maybe. <laughs> and uh, we get, to, you know, I'm obviously running over time because I'm trying to give, I'm teaching for too long. And I get to the Kimura. And uh, I'm doing the Kimura. I'm talking about pull-based Kimuras and, like, how you can uh, put the hand in your own thigh so they can't grab their thigh and um, lifting your hips slightly to get a bit <laughs> and pulling it onto the power line. And... And Mike comes away and he goes, T, 
they don't know what a Kimura, like they don't know even how to grip the Kimura. So, you know, you, you you, you're teaching stuff that I don't even know, right? Just, just like, take it down a little bit. Like you don't need to give. So like that's why I, I really enjoy teaching the more advanced classes that we were talking about. Uh, you know, it's really nice teaching GB3 and GB2 because you can give all those details. And, uh, and what makes a really great coach is that in those GB1 classes, being able to break all those details down to like, right, what are the most like essential elements that I can give someone to get on the journey of learning in Kamara. I don't need to give them all 20 today because they're not ready to know all 20s today. Um, just like we've got a fire here, if we just threw, if at the start we just threw all the wood on, we wouldn't have a fire, it would like burn itself out. Mm -hmm. You kind of got to let, let it build. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> see the fire before this. <laughs> uh, and it's the same with a student, right? If you, if you were just to overload them with, you know, your 20 details on the Kamara, then they miss, you know, they they miss the just you know how to get started because they're trying to remember all this stuff. They don't even know what how to grip. They don't. They're still. They just learnt close guard today. Like uh. <laughs> I think, like one thing that really helps, at least as a student. Like for example, for something I noticed from yesterday. So that really helps digest those those details. Um, was a lot of the way Professor Hodger taught it. You know, like, for mm -hmm. example, there's a lot of the times where, like, for example, an instructor will take a simple technique, but then the first time they show the technique, they're going to talk about, like, 35 details. Mm. And then the second time, they'll talk about, like, none. And the third time, they'll just show it again, and they'll be like, okay. Yeah. I think one thing that's really important, especially for instructors to kind of help digest those details, is, like, whenever I show technique, I try to only add one detail at a time so like if i show the technique once i'll talk about one really specific detail like for, uh, i'm not gonna spoil any of the hotter stuff but <laughs> but oh, it, was, it was already uh written down yeah and uh, posted into the group chat so you're Perfect. Right. <laughs> so you know like uh like for example like little things like the the hit to the rib from yesterday mm. like those little details i think if you would have showed the technique once and talked about all the details at first and then just kept showing the technique and talking about like the steps, I would have not remembered one of those details. Mm -hmm. But I think the way he showed it, he would like show one technique and talk about like one really specific detail. Then he would show it again and talk about like another really specific detail. I think when the instructor does it that way, it's so much easier to digest. Um, and that's what makes it great for everybody. You know, for the no stripe wide belt that just came to the jiu-jitsu and doesn't know, well, they can really just focus on the big steps. You know, step one, two, three. For the more advanced, they can focus on the little things. You know, I think that's a great way of giving that GB1. At the end of the day, GB1 is for everybody as well. You know, and I think that's a really good way of doing that for the advanced people. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, it's getting late. I think we'll uh, call the podcast. Uh, enjoy this fire a little bit. Then we're going to get some food. Make sure these guys have a mince pie and then uh, <laughs> call it a night. Thank you very much uh, for being here, Jeremy. Thank you, Zoe. Thanks, Silent Veronica. I was just sad. She, well, just I guess she might be on the podcast. Okay, till next time, guys. Thank Good. you. If you guys are in Canada, Ottawa, hit me up. Please come down, come visit. Uh, we'd love to have you guys come train. Greece, Baja, Ottawa. See you guys there. Boom.